Hey, open up to 1 John chapter 3, where we will be picking back up where we left off last week. I highly encourage you, if you were traveling and you didn't get a chance to catch the end of chapter 2 or all of 1 John, go back, listen to the podcast, go back on Facebook and catch one of the teachings there and catch up where we're at here as we go through, especially if you're new to Calvary Chapel. I'm going to read, actually starting in verse 28 of chapter 2, it's in context as we bring into the first three verses of chapter 3, As this, if you want to follow along here. It's speaking to the children of God, it's speaking to you as a believer. And now, little children, abide in him, abide in Jesus, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. These are powerful verses, things that you should be pondering on As you read through the word of God and come back to these foundational and and significant verses that describes you and I. In chapters 1 and 2, John wrote about how a believer, you and I, or believers at that time, can experience the light of God. That God can move you from a life of darkness into a life of light. Once you were blind, now you can now see spiritual things, things of God, the understandings of the things of God. Prior to giving your life to Jesus and and being born again, you may have gone through the emotions of the, the emotions of religiosity. You may know of known of God, but you did not know God personally. Remember, you've heard me say this many times. Many know of God, just like Satan knows of God. (laughs) That doesn't mean he's given his life to Jesus and follow him. No, he rebelled against God. So yes, many people have gone to church their whole life because they were forced to or made to, but they didn't know God and worship God and desire to, to follow God. I mean, there's a difference. And all of you who are born again, sitting here and listening, know the day of your salvation. You know when God came into your life and changed you. And so John speaks of that, verses, chapters 1 and 2, about this going and moving into the light of God. Born of him. But he also, John warned us in these first two chapters that believers, be careful because when this happens, false teaching is going to work its way into the, into the church and when you get your gatherings together. False teachers are going to come and try to take away what God is doing in your life. There's going to be counterfeit Christians that are going to be sprinkled throughout, of, throughout the body of Christ. John refers to them in chapter, or verse 10 of chapter 3 here, the children of the devil. There are children of God, you and me as believers, and then there's those who are mixed and around in, in all kinds of places that are children of the devil. They're just doing the work of the devil. And he warns them, when you become a child of God, Satan no longer has you. You're in the security and the assurance of the loving hand of God. But that doesn't stop the children of the devil to want to throw dirt at you. 
and spot you up and draw you back into the world like a dog to its vomit. Those things are continually going to happen to us if we're not careful. With that said, aren't you excited about going to heaven? Because when we get to heaven, we don't have any of those problems anymore, any of those challenges. The false counterfeit Christian is gone. The separation between the sheep and the goats has happened. And we as sheep will be with our shepherd. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that day. But I'm excited about today. Because my shepherd's with me today. And I just follow him. I don't have to follow the things of this world or the things of my flesh or any of those things. Because the spirit of God that lives within me and lives within you, it's the same spirit, same God. And he empowers us to live a life of purity of God. But instead of focusing on the details of this evil characteristics of Satan, John chooses to describe here in these first few verses the description of God's children, you and me. He's going to bring a contrast between what a child of God has such great anticipation of versus following as a child of the devil. And we begin in this new section in chapter 3. John calls us to experience and to know and to understand the love of God. He speaks to that in the verse 9 verses about the, the love that is pure. He'll start speaking about the love that is practical. He'll talk about the love that is perfect in chapter, uh, chapter 4. So as a child of God, we know that this love of God is pure. It's practical. It's perfect. In chapter 3, the main key verse you want to draw your attention to is back in verse 10. A true child of God practices righteousness. One who's a child of God, he practices righteousness. He desires to get better and better at being practicing righteousness, living a pure life. Desires a pure life has no desire of the ugliness of what he used to or she used to live like prior to Christ. And the second thing of characteristics of a child of God is that that person loves other Christians despite their differences. And that they love the children the other children of God, their siblings were siblings with no hidden agendas. We don't love God because we want to be wealthy and healthy and wise and all these junk that is taught today. We love God because he saved us. He has forgiven us of our sins. He first loved us. That's why we respond in love. And so why do we love our siblings? Why do we love other Christians? Is because, not because we can get something from them. What can I get from them? Let's go fellowship so I can see what I can get from them. No, no, that's not the right heart. You fellowship with siblings to show what we can give to them. That we can pour out to them. That the fruit of the Spirit that bears from our life, the, the, the fruit of love and kindness and gentleness and long-suffering, they can pluck that from your life as they fellowship with you. That is why we love our siblings. That's why we love each other. It's why we dwell in unity, because we have the unity, unity factor, and the main factor, the X factor, is who? Jesus Christ. So John is saying, because you're born again, because we have a helper, a, a secure, a shepherd who keeps us and protects us from all these for, this counterfeit Christianity that's going around us, and it's going to get worse and worse. Don't forget, behold, you're a Christian. You're, you're now in Christ. That's the question I would have for you today. I'm asking the question, are you in Christ? Does that describe your life now as a Christian? Or are you still observing and looking to see if this is what you want? 
Oh, hang on. These three verses, I hope, will put you over the edge to realize the love for Christ and the love for one another is so important. Let me pause there because I'm hearing feedback. So the two indicators are not new themes. These are themes that he's been talking about in chapters 1 and 2. The first two chapters, they're addressed by John from a fellowship with God emphasis. If you're in the fellowship with God, you practice righteousness. You love your Christian siblings. We dwell together in unity. He gave us the assurance as a Christian that we are born again and live with Christ. And he is with us and we abide in Christ. And that the Holy Spirit dwells within us and is now can, and can be and help us to grow in our knowledge and understanding and our love for Christ. And we're assured of his return. We know he's coming back for us. As a bride, he's coming back to take us home to be in his presence in heaven. We know this for a fact. This is not a question in our, in our minds. That he's accepted us and we're accepted in him and we can come to him and we know God and we know who we are in Christ. But the question still comes. Are you in Christ? Are you living a life like you are in Christ? John says here in verse 1 of chapter 3, Behold, what manner of love. My brothers and sisters, what manner of love that the Father has bestowed on us, you and me, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us. They're not going to understand us. They're not going to see what we see. They have not experienced the love that we've, ex we've experienced. We don't, they have not experienced going from a life of darkness into light of light. That we can see things. We can see things. We're no longer confused. We're no longer live in fear. We no longer live in these, this dreadful life. We live for with joy and deep joy because we know who we are and who we're in and where we're going. The world is not going to understand that. You know why they don't understand it? You know why your family member doesn't understand you? Or your neighbor? Your coworker? Because the word of God says it plain and clear because it did not know him. If you don't know Jesus, you won't, know, you won't understand those who are in Jesus. It's that simple. You still, I know, you and I can't, why don't they get this? Why don't they see this? Why don't, why don't they understand this? But let me reassure you, my brothers and sisters, it's not about just knowledge that doesn't change the heart. It's the application of that knowledge of who Jesus is. Oh, there's a lot of educated people. They know the Bible. They also know Buddhist and, and every other guru that looks at his navel. but they don't have a changed heart. They only have knowledge. My brothers and sisters, we're talking about living in Christ. It changes your life. The word of God transforms your mind. Your heart is no longer hardened. Your neck is no longer stiffened. You are no longer the person you used to be. You're now growing in Christ and you're, going, you're starting to bear fruit of, of one who is a child of God. And because of that, he's saying, John is saying, behold, this is not something to let it just pass by. Oh, yes, God loves me. No, no, no. He's saying here, and even in the God, John's gospel in the book of John, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. But as many has received him, received Jesus to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Do you believe in the name of Jesus? Oh, I hope and pray you do. 
So John picks right back up here in his, his this, this little letter, this, this epistle, 1 John, and he says, behold, the manner of love. The, the Greek word there, that word love there, is agape, unconditional love. There's no condition here. You don't love God based on a condition. You don't love your siblings, your Christian brothers and sisters, on some kind of condition. You love them unconditionally, agape love. The Father has bestowed that upon you and me. That we should be called the children of God. See, having just mentioned being born of him in chapter 2, the the beginning of that letter he wrote, John speaks of this amazing, this amazement about the manner of love, this God's agape love that he's poured out and in you. That makes us children of God. And he wants us to behold that, to hold that really tight, and to never forget that you're a child of God. You want to, how, you want to overcome fear in your life? Just remember that you're a child of God and nothing can touch your life unless the Father has allowed it. Nothing. The boogeyman at night ain't going to touch you. But he wants us to behold it. He wants us, the word there is to look at and to study it and intently. To ponder on it and focus on it. It's a daily thing that we focus on the manner of love that God has bestowed upon you, has actually poured out upon you, like a blessing, a spout of blessing upon you. It is love. It's a manner of love that you and I are not going to fully understand. As we grow, we do. We fall deeper and deeper in love with our Savior. In the beginning, when you, for many, many stories of people coming to Christ, it's usually based upon fear. Oh, I don't want to go to hell. Oh, I don't want to go into darkness. Oh, I don't want to have to pay for all my wickedness. Oh, Lord, I'm going to give my life to Christ because I need to be. He, that, that man said I could be saved if I just trust in Jesus. And praise God that. He's revealed to you where you're heading. That got your attention to open up your door of your life to allow him to come in and transform you and become a child of God. But let me reassure you, my brothers and sisters, you won't continue to walk with him based on the fear that brought you to him. Only the love of God is what's going to propel you to move forward. I need you to go into now understanding his, the manner of love the Father has bestowed upon you. That is what I want you to continue to walk in your relationship with him. is based on the fact of his love. And how important that is. I don't think we fully grasp the manner of love. God's love for us is incredible. While, while we were his enemies, while we were his enemies, God loved us and sent his only son to come and die for us. Did, did you understand that grasp of love there? That you rebelled and hated and didn't want anything to do with God. But he says, I created you because I love you and I want a relationship with you and I'm going to send my son for you to die in your place. Such love. There's no greater love than a friend who gives his life for another. It may not be physical could be as simple as just dying a self and living for another person. Welcome to marriage. <laughs> right? Doesn't that what God shows and demonstrates within a marriage is for you to learn how to die a self and live for another? That will tell you if you're really walking with Jesus. 
And then when the two of you think you've got that all figured out, then he brings you children. <laughs> and then I just heard it, a whisper in the distance here. And then God then blesses us with grandchildren. <laughs> the manner of love being poured back on us, you know. <laughs> it is of great benefit to you and I as a Christian to take a good, intense, long study of the love of God. <laughs> he bestowed it on us. The focus is on his love and not his fear. The whole wonderful plan of salvation begins with the love of God. Bestowing on us, it, 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 it speaks to us of, of, of many things. One is it first, it, it speaks of the measure of God's love to us. How he lavishly poured out his love upon us. It speaks, secondly, of, of, of the manner of God's giving of love. It bestows, has an idea of a one-sided giving. He freely gives. He gives and gives instead of looking for what he can return and return. He freely gives. And what is it that makes us so slow to believe in the love of God and to really grasp that? What hinders us from doing that? Sometimes it's pride. Pride hinders us from coming to experience and bestowing upon the manner of love from God. We have this prideful aspect of our lives which demands to prove itself worthy of the love of God before it will receive it. And if it's not pride, then many times it can be an unbelief. I just can't trust God. My life with God. I, I, I need to touch and feel God. And I, I need to see demonstrations. And so many signs and wonders. And, and all these other things. Before I, I will have a belief. I can really trust God with every aspect of my life. It's unbelief. Well, I believe that causes you not to trust the love of God when you're looking around it's like look at the hurts look at the look at the pain and the life of things are going on in my life and around us how can there be truly a loving God when all this is happening well then you don't know God yet just keep showing up keep studying the word you'll get to know who God is and the love of God you'll also realize how bad your sin really destroyed this world. My sin, your sin. But if it's not pride, if it's not unbelief, sometimes it takes time for a person to come to a fuller understanding of the greatness of God's love. That's called maturing. Christian maturity. And that maturity comes by the hearing and the reading of the word of God. And so John says, behold, hold it. Don't be ashamed of it. God is not ashamed of showing his love to you. Don't be ashamed of showing your love for him. Behold it. That we should be called the children of God. Sometimes we listen to that and we hear those words and it's almost like it's no big deal. The greatness and the manner of love is shown by these words, called children of God. God looked down on lost humanity. He could have sat there and said, oh, let me do some charitable goodness and charitable compassion on these people because look at their sin is just ravaging their lives. So let me just do a little love for them to kind of, because I'm just compassionate. I pity the state, the sad state they're living in right now in their sins. Because it's a sad state. Apart from God, you're, you're in a sad state now and in eternity. You know that. But no, no, no. 
The manner of the love that God is talking about, that John is referencing, is not only does he come down and make a way for you to be free from that sin that's ravaging you, but he goes forth with a plan of salvation, not only to free you from that, and that's a great celebration. That's an incredible, life-changing moment. But hang with me here. Not only did he make a plan of salvation to save you from your wickedness, but he turns around and he says, that's not all. I'm going to adopt you into my family. You are now a child of God. You are accepted. Not only are you forgiven, but now you're accepted as a child of God. You just became an inheritor of the heavenly things. Can you grasp that? No, I can't grasp it. I still can't get my head around what that means and the fullness of it. I just know that I'm saved from my wickedness, and I know that he loves me. I know that I'm going to be in his presence. I know what the scripture tells me and what it's going to look like. But do I fully understand what it means now to be adopted into his family and be treated as a child of God just like Jesus? Just like Jesus? Who calls us the children of God? Well, the Father calls us the children of God. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 2 Corinthians 6.18. Jesus himself confirms this. He says he does not, he's not ashamed to call them brethren, you and me brethren. He doesn't, he's not ashamed to do that. We see that in Hebrews 2.11. Even the Holy Spirit, God himself, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, Romans 8.16. The Godhead, the fullness, is saying you are a child of God. But understand, we are called the children of God, not for some simple, religious-sounding, pious reason. It's reality. It's reality. We are God's children. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, my brothers and sisters? Do you believe that? Because when you really, 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 really believe that, the assurance and security and love in your life will be nothing like it ever used to be. If you're struggling today, in any form or fashion, of the past, the present, or even the fear, the fear of the future, it can end today if you really grasp the fact that you believe that you're a child of God. If we're really, truly children of God, then it should show in our likeness to our Father and our love for our siblings. If you really believe you're a child of God, it will change your life because you are to become like your father. And you are to love your siblings. You're to love one another. God's love is expressed in all in the giving of Jesus for the sins of the world. Yes, John 3.16, clear as can be. But this does not make all of humanity the children of God in the sense that John is talking about. Here he speaks of those who have received the love of Jesus in the life of fellowship and trust in him. They fully put their trust in Jesus. We see in John 1.12, But as many has received Jesus to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Have you? Have you believed in Jesus' name? That's why John says, therefore, the world does not know us. 
Don't be shocked. The, the world doesn't know you now as a child of God. You, you're completely changed. It's like you left the house, you left the state, you left your home, your family. They haven't seen you in a while. And then you come back for a visit and they look and you go, you've changed. Yes. Yes. I've changed. Being in the military, you've all, if you've been in the military, you know what that means, what that experience. You, they'd send you off and a little boy, a little girl, and you're off to the military. You go through some really transformation kind of things coming, and then you come back home, and what do they say to you? My boy's all grown up. He can make his own bed now. <laughs> he's got bigger. He's, got, he's filled out. He's, just, he's been a transformation. There's been a work in him or her. God says, you come to me and I'll do such a work in you. People won't even recognize you. You've been there, right? People who knew you as the BC days before Christ days. And you haven't been home to visit and you come back home thinking it's going to be just like you thought. It was going to be just perfect. Everyone's going to love you, accept you. You're back home. You haven't seen them in a few years. And you go back home to have great expectations. You're just going to fall right in like going home is going to be great. <laughs> oh, I laugh only because just wait. They're not going to accept you because once they find out, say, hey, we're going to go to our old party places. We're going to go drinking. We're going to do the drugs. We're going to go sleeping around. We're going to do this. We're going to go do that. I don't do that anymore. What? No way. Yeah, God's transformed my life. I'm not who I used to be. <laughs> the conviction's too great. They're, going to go, they're just going to shove you aside or you'll be that light and salt and it'll draw them to Christ and they too get saved. And then, then that changes everything. Why? Because the world's not going to know you because of the unique peritonage or the bloodline of God. We are strangers to this world or we should be. <laughs> you should be a stranger to this world. You should not blend into this world so much that they can't even, they can't even tell the difference between your life and, and, and a worldly life. But the great danger of Christianity that works so hard today, so many Christians work so hard to show the world just how much we are just like the world. It's just that we just know Jesus instead. Don't, don't be surprised, don't be shocked that they still reject you. Acting and sounding and looking and everything and our music and dress and act, everything is almost like you don't even know the difference. You think that's going to help you to reach the lost. Let me remind you of what the word of God says to, to us. That is not going to help you. We do not expect the world to understand this exciting relationship that we're in because it does not even understand God. Only a person who knows God through Christ can fully appreciate and understand what it means to be called a child of God. And it's purely on the fact because John says, because it did not know him doesn't know who God is. He doesn't know the characters of God. Maybe of God, but those are all twisted and all confused. You ever listen to some religious person try to explain on news that is so far off from the word of God? One of those counterfeit types? Or one of those talking heads who don't want anything to do with God and the way they blaspheme the things of God? They don't know them. So ultimately, we should expect the world to treat us just as they treated Jesus. They rejected Jesus. They're going to reject us. They crucified Jesus. They're going to come after us. While it is true that Jesus loved sinners, and Jesus did love sinners, that did not stop them from flocking to him initially to get food or to get healed or to get something from Jesus. 
But they're the same people, many of them, turned around and the next moment said, crucify him, crucify him. Have you, you should meditate on John 17, 23. It says, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Of that verse 23 of John chapter 17, there's one key pivotal word. Do you know what that word is? As. As. Because that word right there means to the same degree. In other words... Jesus says that the Father loves me, his adopted son, his adopted daughter, to the same degree that he loves Jesus, his only begotten son. That is amazing love. That's speaking of you. The depths of his love is as the love he has for Jesus. So in John chapter, 1 John 3, 1, he, John talks about what we are. We're children of God. Now in verse 2, we're going to see that we're going to find out, and it's going to, John's going to tell us, by the Spirit of God, is going to tell us what we shall be. We shall be like Jesus. Look at what happens. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know, we know, that is to be known, we know when he is revealed, we shall be like him, speaking of Jesus, for we shall see him as he is. So I know, <laughs> I know, we don't act like sons and daughters of God. I know we don't act like that sometimes. Some more than others. But John says when he is revealed, we shall be like him. That is truth. That is a promise. Do you hold on to that? Jesus is the perfect man. He's everything every one of us innately wants in our life. We want to be more like Jesus when we're a child of God. It's like I sat there and I pondered on it this week. And I was like, you know, it's just sitting there and it's like siblings, right? And if your sibling is so perfect, it's like he, he, he can't do anything wrong. He's straight A student. He's, he's a, the captain of the varsity team. And every sport he plays, he makes it. He has friends. He always has friends. Oh, everyone wants him there. He's the life of the party. Goes on and on and on. And you're as a sibling going, he wants to be on a, he, my brother's on a magazine because he's so good looking. But they hide me. And I'm barely making it through class. I don't have any friends. I mean, it's one of those moments where such a clarity of the fact that this sibling is in such ideal state. And you just want to be like him. Can I just get straight A's? Can I seem to be everyone? I can, I can have friends with everybody. Can I just do, run without tripping over my feet? My brothers and sisters, the test you and I will have as we grow and mature, especially if you're a brand new believer, you'll have a tendency to put your eyes on people around you, your siblings, brothers and sisters in Christ. And you go, man, I wish I could live for Christ like he's living for Christ. I wish I could live this just this peace and no fear like the, my, my sister has. Why do I have such joy and I don't have the joy? Why do they have this and I don't have that? Why do they have a perfect marriage and I do not have that marriage? Why are they married with a, with a godly sibling, a godly spouse and I don't? Why do they seem to have perfect children? We look like they were saved in the womb. 
Let me encourage you, my brothers and sisters. If you're seeing a sibling next to you that seems to have it all together in Christ, they're not perfect. And you're not perfect. But both of you, all of us, will be perfect when we get to heaven. See, you've been justified just as if you've never sinned before. You're now going through the sanctification process, lovingly being changed. Let the Spirit of God change you. Let Him empower you to walk away from the things of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Forget the junk. Your sibling that seems to have it all together because they've made the decision. I'm not following the junk anymore. I'm only doing what pleases God. Regardless of how I feel. But all of us are going through that sanctification process. But my brothers and sisters, you have and I had the hope. And that what is that? We're getting to go to be the glorification state. We will be glorified state. This flesh will no longer have a pull on you. The world will never have, no longer have a pull on you. You will be in the presence of Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When we get weak is when we take our eyes off Jesus. Are you with me? Beloved, oh, yes, you're children of God. But understand something. Not everything has been revealed to you. And what it shall be. You're not going to figure this all out. As much as what the scripture has given us. He hasn't given us everything. He's only given us enough for, to do life now. The rest of it will be revealed to us. What it really will be like in heaven. What it will be. What our bodies will look like. What our name, new name will be like. If there are going to be brownies on that, that table or not. For the, the wedding feast. I don't know all the details. I just know it's going to be good going to be great it's going to be perfect but john says we know that when he is revealed and he's speaking of his second coming it's speaking of him coming back for you and i the bride you and i and taking us out of here he may take us out of through a rapture or you're going to go to him because he says it's time for you to come home your life is done. And he takes your life and your body stops functioning, but the soul is raptured right up into him in presence. You may go one by one or the rapture as a whole. Either way, you're going to be in his presence. Absent from the body will be in the presence of the Lord. I Do you hold on to that promise and hope? But when you are, when he reveals, he, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is our present standing today our position in christ as a child of god is clear we know and have an assurance that we are indeed among the children of god we have that assurance Romans 8, 16 tells us the Spirit himself bears witness of our spirit that we are a child, children of God. Do you have that? Because here's a test for you. Because if you're, the Spirit of God is telling you you are a child of God, you are. But if you don't think you're a child of God, you don't believe you're a child of God, the Spirit has, a, has, has not confirmed that you're a child of God. Today's the day. Let Him confirm that to you by surrendering your life completely to Him. Cry out to His name. Believe in His name. And desire to be a child of God. And how do you do that? By faith, placing your faith, your, li your life, your faith in him and him alone for your salvation. If you're a child of God, you have an inward assurance of this. 
Even though all the things are presently standing or the clear is, it seems to be clear right now and you're present, you know what's going on, but the future destiny seems to be a little clouded to you because you want to know all the details now. You don't want to have to wait for those. So they're a little clouded for you, but we don't know exactly what will become of the world behind us. We can't even imagine what will happen to this world behind us. Or even what it will be like to be glorified before us. But we do know through, through when Christ comes for his church, more will be revealed to us then. And we'll know that when he is revealed, we will be like him. We shall be like him. We're not, we're not left completely in the dark. We're not completely left in the dark about future state. When Jesus revealed to us, enter by his coming for us or coming to him, we shall be like him. It's very clear, Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So the Bible speaks of, of our future and what we will be like. I used to grab a hold of that and say, you know, I'm a mess up. I have, I have, I have, I, I, my, my life is shambles. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where you're coming or going. I mean, it just, everyone has been there in their life. But when you became a child of God and I read verses like that, and it's like, I don't care about my past. My messed up past doesn't matter. My messed up, my, maybe my life currently is not a matter. What matters is I'm going to be in the image of Jesus. I'm going to be more like him. My life gets straightened out completely when I come into his presence. Everything. All the squirreliness you're dealing with in your mind, that all comes clear now. God's ultimate goal in our lives is to make us like Jesus. That fulfillment of that purpose, that promise he has for you and I as a child of God is written right here. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? This doesn't mean that we cease to be ourselves. Full of the distinct personality and the character that God has given us. That doesn't change in the future. It does not mean we come, become some divine or little God. Like some false teaching teaches. That you, you follow the, the divine, the spirit, now you become a God. That's not what it means. Heaven will not be like nirvana. That speaks of the Eastern mythicism, the Buddhism kind of teaching that's out there. And there's a plethora around, especially the, 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 the wealth, wealthy and the well-known. They follow these mysticism of Eastern mythicism. Where you have Nevada, where your, your personality is dissolved into God like a drop into the ocean. You become a oneness of him. Don't listen to that junk. We will still be ourselves, but our character and our nature will be perfected into the image of Jesus' perfection. We will not be cl clones, or clowns for some of you, of, of, in Jesus in heaven. We're going to... We're going to be who we are, but in a perfected state. That's why we as Christians should long to be with Jesus. Yet remember that God will never force a person to be like Jesus. If he or she doesn't want to be like Jesus, he will not force you. And that is what hell is for. For those who say, I do not want to follow or be like Jesus, that is why you're on the destination for hell. Understand, the sobering internal truth is this. God gives man what he really wants. 
Yes, he does. If you really want to be like Jesus, it will show in your life now and it will be a fact in eternity. And you'll be in his presence. But, and this is one of the bad buts, not a good but. But if you don't really want to be like Jesus, it will also show in your life now and it will also show as fact in eternity. Which desire do you have? To be like Jesus now? Or you just want to do your life? That means you reject Jesus to be like Jesus now. That's an eternal decision, my brothers and sisters. For those who are listening, that have not given their life, that is an eternal decision you've made. You can change that decision. See, John says we shall be like him. That means reminds us even though we grow into the image of Jesus now, we still have a long way to go. We're not perfect. We have, still have a long way to go. None of us will be finished until we see Jesus face to face when we're in our glorified state. Paul says something interesting in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. See, Paul recognized the challenge, and he uses an imagery here called the mirror. We look at a mirror and go, wow, that mirror is way too powerful. I see every flaw. I, I don't want that mirror. Give me something different. But in those days, the mirrors did not have the high resolution that we see today. They were metal that was polished so well that you could get a faint image there. And sometimes it was dim image, sometimes a little warped image, but you could see enough as a mirror to see if your hair's in place. We may only see dimly what it's going to be like for us in the future. But as Paul said, as John says, as, as the Holy Spirit says to you, it'll become very clear when you come into the presence of Jesus. The longer you walk with Jesus, the more you learn about him. The more you will be impressed by him, the more you will long to see him. Heaven is a, just a precious place. And many desire to go to heaven. Why? Sometimes it's because there's loved ones who are saved, they're in heaven, and you can't wait to go and see them. Some will say, hey, I can't wait. I can't wait to spend some time. And all the old saints and what they went through, like Job, what was it really like? You know, Peter, John Paul, you want to know who's there from the old saints. And sit with them and talk with them. We long to walk on the streets of gold and the pearly gates and the sea angels going around and all the worship day and night. You can't wait to get to heaven. But none of these, these precious thoughts make heaven really heaven. What makes heaven heaven is the unhindered unrestricted, perfect presence of our Lord. We get to see him as he is and experience the greatness of the internal existence of God. That is why we can't wait to get to heaven. See, John made the connections here. And the reality of what it's going to be like for us. And to the extent that you and I will see Jesus as he is. And the more he reveals, as the power of the Holy Spirit reveals it to who he is today. And now as we study the word of God, it's to that same extent you and I are going to be like him in our life. 
The more you read the Gospels, you carefully study and meditate on those thoughtfully, prayerfully, meditatively, the more you will develop a profound appreciation of the personality, the character, the integrity, the wisdom, the strength, the love of Jesus. So Apostle John here continues here. He's told us what we are, a child of God. He told us what shall be, we'll be like Jesus. But here in verse 3, we're told what we should be. Purified. In view of all of this in front of us as a child of God, we are to, as in understanding that Jesus is coming back for us, we should keep our lives clean. And we should desire to be clean. He says, and everyone, in verse 3, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Knowing our eternal destiny, we're going to heaven. Knowing and living in this hope that we're going to be like Jesus, we must, we must have this hope and desire to, that hope in him purifies, to keep us pure, to live rightly, a righteous life. He's made you righteous. He's set you free from your sin and all the bondage and all the the chains that you had, all these sins that were gripping you, you have been free from that as a child of God. Question is, now do your mind say, I want to live a pure life? Do I desire to stay clean? Do I desire to be more like Jesus? Because the more you focus on Jesus, the more you should desire to be right with him. Having the anticipation of being with Jesus and soon coming of Jesus Christ to come for your life. It should absolutely have this marvelous purifying effect in your life. That you want nothing that's not of God. You want it out of your life. You used to practice it. You used to live in that sin. Now you want nothing to do with it and you will fight against it and fight against it. And yes, you're not perfect. You might fall to it, but you're going to get picked, quickly pick up and say, Whoa, God, that was not of you. That was God. That, that, that is not of God. I, that is sin. That is, I repent. God, I acknowledge. I don't want that. Completely different thought process than what it was before Christ. When you just accepted it. You know I'm Italian? This anger... That's me. If you're talking like that as a child of God, you are misleading yourself. You've been bewitched. You can't blame your heritage. My dad was like this. And you're a Christian and you're talking like this? You're accepting that? No, 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 no. that's, That's sin. Well, my mother was like that. That is acceptable as a child of God? That is sin. Repent today. Repent of that. I can go on and on, and I'm running out of time. Ooh, I could keep going. My brothers and sisters, this word of God says, because of our hope in Jesus and because we're seeing him soon, we are to have, because of the hope in him, It purifies you. We must desire to have and see, as he says, just as he is pure. We want to be more like Jesus. We must be living a life, my brothers and sisters, with the constant awareness that the Lord's coming is at hand and has a definite effect on the way you and I live. Now, I said every aspect of your life. I'm not talking compartmentalized. That's, that's what some Christians do. They live a certain way at church and act a certain way. At home is completely different. And just work at someone else. And then only when you're around your friends a different way. And when you're around your coworkers. No, no. Are you a Christian in and through? Or you're not? Don't be fooled. Don't be bewitched. 
that it's acceptable for you to live in sin outside of church. But in church, you're church in good, good shoes. This is not how we live, my brothers and sisters. We live completely every aspect of our life, even when you're in secret by yourself and no one knows. God knows. That's why we have the hope in him. Ultimately, our hope is not, in, is not in heaven or in our own glory in heaven. Our hope is in him. We must never set our hope on other things, not on relationships, not on success, not on investments, not on wealth, not on health, not possessions, not simply even just ourselves, you trust it. We must only really put our hope in him. That's the only foundation that's going to keep you stable. One who sets his hope by faith on the Son of God experiences an inward purification that is as complete as Christ's own purification. He was pure. He was perfect. We're going to become more like him. This is what produces the manner of love God desires in our life. 